Hey, it's Bethany here with Dialed In. I'm so happy that you're listening today. Before we hop into this episode, I wanted to let you know about a new resource for this new decade. It is the Action Takers Resource Guide. So I know from experience that it can be so hard to know where to start. When you're thinking about making a change in your life, you know it's going to be uncomfortable and you know that it's going to take some time and dedication. And sometimes there's just so much information out there that it's hard to narrow down and choose a focus. So I've done that for you. In this resource guide, there's a complete list of all different kinds of things and ways for you to start. So here's how I want you to use this. Go to my website, bethanyklim.com. Simply enter your name and email. You get an immediate download of this resource. You can print it out. You can have it on your computer. But it takes you through all different steps to get to know yourself better. There's a list of podcasts that you can get plugged into. There are a huge amount of books here that you can start reading to help change your life. And there's even tools that can help you stay organized, among other things. Now, just pick one area. Just simply pick one area that appeals to you that you think, you know what, I could work this in to my daily routine, or I could work this into my routine two or three days a week. Pick one, get started. I'd love to hear how it goes. Let me know how you're doing. Let me know how you like the resource. And I can't wait to see how this year is amazing for you. All right, we'll get to the episode. Until next time, take action, live big, and enjoy Dialed In. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Dialed In. I'm your host, Bethany Clemenson, and this is a place where we focus on the tools that you need to live a big life. Today, I'm talking with Eric G. Reed. Eric is the founder of Success Life U, but there's so much more about Eric that I want you to know, including our topic today, which is going to be decluttering your mind. But first, Eric, welcome to the show. And can you tell us a little bit about what you do? Well, thank you for having me. It's always fun hanging out with you. So thank you for inviting me to be here. My pleasure. No worries. About what I do. Oh, my gosh. Um, some days my family asks me the exact same question and I stumble through the answer. <laughs> I've, I've always sort of considered myself a bit of a catalyst, like, and that can be a good thing or a bad thing. I get in there and I stir things up. Um, more and more I've gotten better at stirring things up in a positive way. So as a coach or as a trainer, as a writer, as an influencer, and now that I'm helping people edit their books, I feel like part of my job is really to make people see just a little bit more than they saw before we interacted so they can mm-hmm. go a little bit further than they ever thought they could. I love that. What a perfect description. So every time that you and I have a conversation, I leave feeling exactly like that. Like there are things that I didn't think about before that I see differently after we talk. And there are new avenues, and 
and all kinds of different things I didn't I just didn't think about. So I would say definitely you stir things up <laughs> in a big way for the people that you serve. I love it. Well my third grade my third grade teacher will be happy to know I finally harnessed the power for good instead of evil. So uh, <laughs> listening. It all it finally worked out. <laughs> oh, that's funny. Well, I asked you to come on today because you talk a lot about mindset, so if you're not following Eric G. Reed, I would encourage you to check him out on Facebook, and we'll give you those details um, at the end of the show, and also how to connect with him through his website. But he does uh, 8 a.m. Facebook Lives every day, and um, every day Monday through Friday, I guess I should clarify. And a lot of what you focus on, Eric, seems to be around around mindset and getting your thoughts right for success. And of course you include tangible steps people can take too. But um, when I thought about this whole idea of decluttering your mind, well, you came to my mind first, just because so much of what you talk about seems to focus on that in, in many aspects. So I just like to ask you today, what does it mean to you when someone says keeping your mind clutter-free? So I'm a visual person, and so when I hear that mind is full of clutter, it sort of makes me think of my son's room when he gets out all his Legos. All of those little bits and mm. parts and some things are put together, some things are hopped together, some things are just piled in the bottom. It's sort of the same thing that happens with our thoughts and our ideas and our dreams. It looks like, you know, Legoland exploded in our brains. And we're, we spend so much of our energy trying to figure out what to keep and what to trash, what to finish building and what to not start. And it's, mm-hmm. it's exhausting. I mean, it's, we, we spend so much energy just trying to analyze the situation that we never get into production or get into living. And mm-hmm. so cluttering of our mind is just, it's like a weight around our neck that we're like, I know I could be doing something. I know I could, like all of this stuff has got to mean something, but I can't figure it out. Oh, my gosh. I'm, do I throw it all out and start again? Do I sit here in the middle of the floor and sort it out? Somebody help me. Hmm. And so to begin to move to decluttering our mind, we need to know what we're keeping and why. What a great starting point. So if someone comes to you and they say, hey, I have 8,000 ideas, I've tried these five, I have these 10 in the works, how do I know what to do next, what kinds of questions would you ask them? A lot of the same questions, keeping that Lego and my son analogy alive, is when I go in there and I start cleaning out his room, we've all had that experience as a parent. It's a painful one, I know. But it's the same (laughs) thing that we've got to do in our business and our personal life and the changes that we're going to make. I'll look at him and I'm like, keep or go. And he's got like literally five seconds. We have a countdown game. Keep or go. And he has to decide keep or go. And sometimes he'll say keep, and I'll be like, why? You know, like, because I like it. And I'm like, why? And I will keep asking that, like, why are we keeping it? What value does it have? 
Where are you going to use it next? When was the last time you used it? And, I, and pretty soon he's like, oh, yeah, you're right. Go. Or he is so committed to keeping it, I'm like, okay, it has value in his life. It has purpose. Or mm-hmm. he's passionate about it. It has earned the place in the keep pile. You have got to do the same thing with those 10,000 ideas, those 50,000 projects, all of the stuff. You've got to sit down and maybe write down, brain dump, purge out everything that you can, and then go back through it and go, keep her go, keep her go, keep her go. And when you get a keep thing, you don't get to just keep it because you want to keep it because you're afraid that if you get rid of it, you'll never get a chance to get another one of them kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Why do you want to keep it? How is it in alignment with your purpose? How is it in alignment with your vision? How is it in alignment with your bigger goals? I think about your personal story when you packed up your family and moved down the bus. You went through that keep and go process. It's like, okay, we cannot take 10 pair of jeans. Like, everybody cannot have 10 pair of jeans. Which ones are keeping and which ones are going and why? Mm -hmm. We know the process in the physical space. We need to move it sort of into that decluttering of our minds, as you ask. Like, what is in the keep pile and what is in the go pile? And why mm-hmm. is it in the keep pile? And what value does it have? And how do I intend to use it in the future? Or how has it served me well in the past that I can use it again in the future? How is it in alignment with who I am now versus who I was when I thought of it, adopted it, committed to it? Those are great questions. I'm just taking some notes. Um, so I, as I'm listening to you, the words light and heavy come to mind for me because I look at that, well, we looked at that physically when we were decluttering, but I also look at that when I'm, when I'm looking at mental decluttering because some things... I find that I do because it's easy and I've always done it, but it's not necessarily serving me well as far as from a passion standpoint. But, you know, you kind of get stuck in a rut of of being safe or doing what you know, or at least I do. And I can't, I can't, um, I can't believe I'd be the only one that maybe gets stuck in a rut like that. So then when, when you're walking through this, with people, what if they say, what if they're, um, all their clutter is all over the board? How do you help them determine if it's in alignment with their passion or purpose? If they're, what if they're multi-passionate or they feel like they have 12 different purposes? Well, and I think those are two separate questions. I think back to mm-hmm. the TV show where you know, the woman that does the housekeeping, she's like, does it spark joy? Um, A lot of things can spark joy, but what is the purpose of me having a fur coat if I'm living in Miami Beach? Hmm. The the passion needs to be in alignment with where I'm at right now or what my vision for who I am right now. And that comes from understanding my purpose. So you really only have one purpose, 
And people are going to be, I know that's a very like, oh my gosh, I only have one purpose, I better get it right. No, 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 no. Your purpose is what defines your vision, which defines the expression of how you're going to live it out in your passion. So your purpose and the vision, the vision is sort of the, I don't know, you want to use a canvas analogy, it's kind of like the painting, and then your passion is the color and the texture and all of it that goes into it. Artists don't just paint one painting and say, I'm done. They express mm-hmm. their passion through a variety of mediums, from paintings to clay to decoupage, but their passion is to create. Their passion is to express. What their purpose is, I'm sorry, their purpose is to create. Their purpose is to express. Their purpose mm-hmm. is to communicate. The passion can change. I mean, you look at Picasso. He was a sketch artist, and he was a muralist, and he was a painter. Mm-hmm. And then in later mm-hmm. years, he was a woodworker and a furniture designer and an architect. Those are his passions, but they, they weren't his purpose. <clears throat> That's a great insight. So would you say that when you're helping someone define their purpose, it's a is, it, is purpose typically a broader statement? Um, not broader. Like some people will think of broader as longer or more words mm-hmm. on the notepad. Mm-hmm. It's very specific, but it's it's not attached to anything, so to speak. Um, and often I caution about giving examples because somebody will latch onto it as like, that sounds good, but it's not only does it sound good, does it feel good? Like, does, does it vibrate in you in such a way that it awakens you? And so it's like a piano that's perfectly tuned. If you hit one note, that can almost feel like a symphony in the right space. But combining that one note with other notes, it's like, oh my gosh, such richness, such depth. That purpose is that first note. You know, a singer will say, play it in the key of G. Okay? Your purpose is like that key of G. Everything else is an expression of that key of G. So broader... I, I, I get it, but I'm not, I don't want to confuse that with big. Because the purpose doesn't have to be like saving the universe from cancer. That's, that's not your purpose. That's a vision. Mm-hmm. That's a goal. Do you have a formula that you use that you help people walk through defining their purpose? Um, well, and that's what our Discover Your Blueprint um, class is really always about. It's that digging into the purpose. And that's why I love it, because at the end of it, you end up with pretty, like, when I went through the class for my first time, and now I facilitate the class some 10 years ago, and I still pull out that same worksheet, mm-hmm. it's, when I say it's almost the same, 
it's changed a little because my awareness has changed, my perspective has changed, I've grown. But if you look at it, you're like, yeah, I can see the similarities. I can see the same artists in both of these pictures. Their technique has just changed, so some of the wording has changed. Because it required so much, I mean, to say it was exhausting, it's kind of like a good workout. Mm. When it was done, I was like, oh my gosh, this is so simple, so clear, and yet so complex. No wonder it took me so long to get there. Now that I'm there, everything else is so easy to come from. I would think there would be tremendous value in being able to pinpoint a purpose or having a purpose statement because that would be a filter to which you build your life. Now, granted, like having, knowing what your core values are and, and knowing what your priorities are and all those things, of course, are of extreme value as well. But it's just like when you choose a word for the year and you kind of filter your year through that word, I would imagine a purpose is like that, but maybe times 100. <laughs> Exactly. And going back to where we started about decluttering your mind, now as I'm going through that heap or trash pile, I can say, mm -hmm. keep. okay, so how does this align with my purpose? How does this serve my purpose? How does this magnify my purpose? How does this echo or whatever you want to say to my purpose? And suddenly you're like, well, it really doesn't. Oh, so I guess I can let it go. When we're looking at our jobs, when we're looking at our careers, when we're looking at the many, many roles that we play in life, and some of them are in transition, and we've spent so much time identifying ourselves to that role that we can't break free, knowing that my purpose is beyond that role, beyond that job, beyond that title, when change happens, and guess what, change always happens, mm -hmm. I don't get thrown as far. I'm going to get thrown. We all get thrown, but mm -hmm. I'm able to get back in the game sooner with less bangs and bruises because I'm like, the job was only part of it. The, path, the purpose is still the same. So though I may have run out of oil paint or acrylics or whatever it is, I can still express myself through watercolors. I can still express my purpose through this or that or here or there, et cetera. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So opportunities begin to expand, but they don't become clutter in our minds because everything has to tie back. I call it the center pole. Every, like the big tent, the big old, mm -hmm. big top tent, everything yeah. has to come back to that center pole. If that center pole falls down, everything falls down. If that center pole is strong, everything else is supported. Yeah, that makes perfect sense. I love that. So I don't, I would never ask you to divulge your whole process about this by any means. In fact, I know listeners are going to want to know where they can go to connect with you to find this process to really dive in to their purpose, and, and which goes hand in hand with decluttering your mind. But is there one question that you could give listeners that maybe would just be a starting point for them? 
Sure. And to say it's a big secret, it, it's, it's a process. And so mm-hmm. to, to do the process justice, you really have to be completely immersed. And I know your listeners are not only tuned into you, but tuned into other things that it's hard to focus in on. So where I would start is really saying, hey, what is it that sparks me? Like, what is it that, it, like, starting with the passion part, like, what excites me and then why does that excite me and what hole does it fill in my life? And if you hear yourself being attached to other people or other things, how would you say that without including others? So um, I'm trying to think of an example real quick. So my purpose is to help women in transition, um, et cetera, et cetera. Mm-hmm. So how would you say that minus women? My purpose is to help transition. No, my purpose is to manage transition. Okay, now we're getting closer to a you statement. My purpose is to master transition. Transition, change, and all of the things. Like, oh, wait a minute. If I become a master at transition in my own life, in my own center, detached from everybody else, I'll develop the skill set, the resources, the knowledge, the empathy to help others do it. One of the expressions that I want to do with this new skill, with this new purpose is of becoming the master of transition, the ninja of transition, is to express it around women who are going through divorce or domestic abuse. And then I may also express it using the artist analogy of kids going off to college or men leaving their careers. Now you're moving from oil to watercolor to clay to whatever. But if all of those people disappeared, you'd still have a reason to wake up in the morning and that would be to become the master and the absolute alignment with understanding what transition is. Hmm. That so makes my sense. My purpose is to master, to become, you know, and again, we're doing this sort of on the fly. I would spend mm-hmm. some time breaking it down. But if I understand transition and if I'm a person of faith, what does transition feel like, look like? Why does transition happen in the universe? What is this transition supposed to be teaching me that I'm experiencing? Like if I can really live inside transition, and be centered and complete and joyful about it, wow, how many other people would want to experience that? How can I use that to serve humanity better? And even if I never get to choose to serve somebody with it or get the opportunity, how much of a better person am I today because I focused on that? I like that. So as I'm listening to you, I'm thinking that when I've gone through a process like this in the past, um, my mind likes to play some tricks. My ego likes to sneak in. And if I have a big idea or what I feel is a big passion that leads me to know what my purpose is, 
my ego says, who do you think you are? Why would you think you could do that? Don't you know where you came from or don't you know you are X, Y, Z? And so I would caution anybody that's going down this path to find their purpose and declutter their mind to go with your gut, to not listen to the ego, to not listen to that voice in your head that wants you to play small. Because I believe that we're all given a great purpose And great doesn't necessarily mean on stages and being a social media influencer or in the spotlight. It just means great to us and great to who we are and something that makes your soul sing. So listen to that voice because when you tamp it down and you tamp it down, you play small, you're unfulfilled, and you definitely don't live a decluttered or a big life. (laughs) And I agree. I mean, do you think the tree in your backyard wakes up and goes, well, I'm not big enough. I'm not like all the other trees. You know, those Mm. other trees have prettier leaves or broader branches or they get more Mm -hmm. sun than I get. This isn't fair. I was just meant to be a little tree. It just wakes up and says, my job today is to be the best tree that I can be. They keep pushing towards the sun, metaphorically and physically. Mm -hmm. To being the best I can. And in that, it still fulfills its purpose of being a tree. It's only right. when we start to compare ourselves to the other trees in the forest that we start to clutter our mind with the mm. doubt and the insecurity. And then we start to grab all of this stuff, books, like all of this stuff, hoping that it will make us more tree-like, so to speak. Mm-hmm instead of just stopping and doing the deep work, doing the critical thinking, doing the getting inside and killing the BS story, and being like, you know what? My purpose is to be a tree or a rose bush or a pumpkin. Now I know what I've got to do. How I do it is going to be all the new stuff. Hmm. Yeah, what a great analogy. It reminds me of a saying that I heard several years ago that said another person's giftedness is not the absence of yours. Oh, I love that. Feeling it. (laughs) Yeah, isn't that good? And you can insert anything in there. You know, another person's talent or another person's wealth or another person's whatever. But it's it's not the absence of yours. It's there's enough for everyone and, and yours is unique to you. And I think if we can just stop comparing our insides to everybody else's outsides and really dig deep into who we are, this world would our own Um, worthiness. That unfortunate thing, we were given a gift and a curse by having the ability to imagine. Because Mm -hmm. not only can we imagine the good and the bad, I mean, we can imagine the good, but we also imagine the bad. And mm-hmm. in doing so, we're more prone to seek out the bad. It's our human nature. But if you can imagine that somebody is better than you, then why can't you imagine that you're better than somebody else or you're mm-hmm. good enough? Mm-hmm. So flip the table. I mean, use right. that power that you've used to kick yourself and play small to begin to kick yourself and play big. Both are right. at your disposal. Both are a choice. 
I love it. Absolutely love it. I think we just have a tendency to go negative, and I'm sure there are studies out there. Have Have you read any studies of, about that and that tendency and, and why we're like that? Well, and not to put you on the spot. There's a ton of <laughs> Sorry. Um, no problem. Uh, yes, I'm citing Stanford Research, 1974. <laughs> yeah. um, but, you know, I kind of go back to the caveman day. We had to be on red alert or we would have been eaten by the woolly mammoths or, you know, some Tyrannosaurus rex or whatever. So we, mm-hmm. we, our brains were programmed to be on red alert and look for danger. Well, newsflash, there are no more Tyrannosaurus rexes or woolly mammoths in my neighborhood, but my brain has not caught up with the reality that I live in. So it substitutes that woolly mammoth and Tyrannosaurus rex for what they might be saying about me over there on that other cube across the office or why that person didn't call me back after they said I would or why they don't let, like, we just start hunting out these, these predators so that our brain has something to do because it's looking for something to do. So, yeah, mm-hmm. we're going we're to naturally, for self-preservation, move to the negative, move to the defeating thought. But, it, again, it's a matter of controlling your thinking. Your brain is waiting for the instructions from you. You cannot mm-hmm. walk through life on autopilot and expect to live a big life. Right. I, uh, I think that it's very easy to be on autopilot and to let our brain get cluttered with all kinds of negativity. It's, it's very interesting. Um, over the last few years, in my family, we've really decreased our level of TV watching. And um, in fact, Tom and I were just talking about not having a TV in, in our house um, going forward. And um, my kids are hypersensitive to it now. So when a TV is on and it's news and it's just about murders and death and negativity, typically they leave the room. Like they'll just be like, "Hey, I'm going to go downstairs, or I'm going to go to, you know, I'm going to go to the other room, or I don't, I don't want to listen to this. This doesn't make me feel good." And um, for me, growing up, it was normal just to have the TV on, and I it didn't, I wasn't even aware of how it was impacting me. And, and I'm not saying you shouldn't watch TV. Maybe I'm just super sensitive to it, but but I know it's helped me. Um, raise my vibration level, raise my level of positivity, and direct my brain <laughs> in a different way just, just by not having that on all the time. Well, and I think, and I agree, I agree 100%. When we lived out of the country, because regular broadcasting TV, even cable TV, was in Spanish, and my Spanish was really poor. Even if it mm-hmm. was on, I didn't understand, like, 99% mm-hmm. of it. <laughs> so it was just easier not to have it on. What was so fascinating also was the fact that when we would go out to restaurants or be at events where everybody was around and talking, because again, I didn't understand a lot of the language, I could tune out people. And that wasn't like being rude. It was just like my brain wasn't listening because it, 
to say it couldn't understand. And I found that the more time I spent, not in isolation, but in selective listening, listening to the things that mattered, and re- even if it wasn't mm-hmm. Spanish, if it, it was something I wanted to know, I had to be like focused in, the quality of my life went up. Coming back into the United States where everybody spoke the same language or my natural language, suddenly I was bombarded by radio and billboards and TV and eavesdropping on the conversation that's happening at the table next to me and, mm-hmm. you know, the TGI Fridays. My brain was pulling in so much stuff that it knew how to interpret and then it was having to figure out where to file it in my brain filing cabinet that I was exhausted coming back in Hmm. until I went back into that intentional, what am I going to absorb? Why am I bringing it into this this space, my brain, and putting it back into my purpose filter? Mm -hmm. So now, yeah, I could turn on the TV in our house and understand everything on the 275 channels that's being broadcast (laughs) to me or whatever it is. Mm -hmm. But because I've learned how overwhelming that information is and how physically, physically stressful it is to have to process all of that clutter. I mean, you think about it. You get up and you can hear your kids in the other room talking, and though you may not be engaged in it, you're listening. And then Mm -hmm. you're listening to the radio and you're listening to your husband's conversation and you're listening to the TV in the other room and then all of these environments and then you're driving down the street and every single sign you're reading is going into that information warehouse. Mm -hmm. Just remember, there's the McDonald's, there's the gas station, there's the sign, there's this, all of this stuff gets brought into us and if we're not purposefully going through the information and trashing it on an hourly, daily basis, your brain is just like, okay, I'm shutting down, blue screen of death, I'm overwhelmed. Mm-hmm. Being able at the end of the day to brain dump and say, okay, everything that I learned today, everything that I did today, what do I need to keep so that I can support my purpose, my vision, my plan, my goal? And then starting the next morning with, okay, everything that I'm going to encounter, if it doesn't serve my purpose, Brain, do not save it. Just put it in the automatic dump pile. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that makes perfect sense. I like it. There's a ton. There's a ton of information here that we've talked about. In fact, I have I have three pages of notes just from oh this God, conversation. I just love hanging out with you. You inspire me to think big. Oh, I love it. I love your ideas. I, 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 I really enjoy how you break things down in like, the simple bite-sized pieces. I, I'm for a me, man. that. I can't go much higher. Oh, stop! I think it takes a lot of brain power to be able to do that. So, um, Eric, how can people find you? How can they get in touch with you? Well. On all things social media, the easy one is Eric G. Reed, R-E-I-D. So that's Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, whatever. Um, but also success like you, as in the letter U, dot com is really the resource where our classes and our thinking. And like 
it's a university, um, so to speak, that I want to continue to build out with resources and classes and just ideas for people to grab hold of so that they can live their big life. I, that's what I love about you and I love about your show is a big life doesn't necessarily mean having the biggest house or the fastest car or the most boats mm-hmm. down at the marina. It's living what you what like fills you up every mm-hmm. morning. Um, and so that's why I, I love being around you is because we're both wanting the same thing for the people that are surrounding us. Right. Right. It's about, well, being dialed in, dialed into who you are. And part of that requires getting rid of the clutter in your life so you can, you can be the tree that you are. <laughs> yeah, and, or the pumpkin. <laughs> That's right, whatever that is. Or the egg. I, I mean, for whoever chose the eggplant, please call me and explain why they're going to be the eggplant <laughs> that they are. Funny. Well, I have four teaching points from uh, the things that you said, although I know there's a ton more than that. So um, if you're listening and you're in a place where you can grab a pen and paper just to kind of bring things to a point where you, you have a jumping off place to move forward, I have four points. Number one, know and define your purpose based on who you are. So this includes nothing outside of you, no titles, no job, um, just, just based on who you are as an individual. Number two, declutter your mind, your ideas, your opportunities by filtering through your purpose. Number three, choose what clutter you allow in. So you need to be clutter aware. And number four, be the tree or the eggplant or the pumpkin that you are. <laughs> and this isn't really a teaching point, but I'll close with this, with this quote again. Another person's giftedness is not the absence of yours. So thank you, everyone, for listening today. Thank you again, Eric, for being on the show. I really appreciate it. And as always, take action, live big, and stay dialed in.